So mm. what did we do? We started to get busy. We had this over here, we had that over there, we had this over here. So when you get busy, it's time to start narrowing down your niche. Mm. Okay? So we have found our niche. I am joined by wonderful Paddy Carroll. Paddy, you're very welcome. Deirdre, thanks very much for the invite, and it's great to be here. Tell everyone stories. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, so I hope you can hear us live. If you can, please drop us a comment into the chat because this is new software, first time doing a podcast in person and first time streaming it live. So there's loads of firsts happening here. But we're going to start off. Paddy, would you please give us a little bit of intro, a bit of background about you and your business? And yeah, over to you. So Deirdre, I started my business in 2019. I seen a, a gap in the market for quantity surveyors for building contractors, small, medium and large. Obviously, when the recession came, a lot of the young people just didn't go to college or didn't go into construction. We're starting to see a big uh, resources are limited now at the moment for QSs. And we're finding that contractors are finding it hard to get these guys or girls on the ground. I said to myself, with the help of my dear wife, to uh, start up a business called Carol Estimating. We're estimators and we're quantity surveyors. So what we do is practically we want to help the building contractor to uh, measure, rate, and at the end of the day, make profit. And I have a simple saying that if our clients are making money, we're making money. Well, we're trying to save our contractors time. That's more or less for what we're trying to do. We have five or we've sorry, we have six surveyors uh, at the moment. Thank God, we're all busy at the moment. We're always looking for the next client to help out, and it's getting to those sites and walking those sites. That's what we love doing, getting the hands dirty. Paddy, your business, I have to say, hats off to you. A builder's hat if I was wearing one, but hats off to you because. You have grown an incredible business. How many years are you established now? I started in January 2019. My first job was for 200 euro. I was finished at 10 o'clock that morning and I went out to my wife, Neve and I said, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> so she looked at me and we have three small kids at a mortgage like everyone else. And uh, I had to get to work. I had to pick the phone up and start ringing. And... The best people to ring are people that you've worked with in your life, in your career. And uh, I would have worked with a building contractor in Kilkenny my, during my, my start as a QS. I call it a trade. I don't call it a profession. I call it a trade that we're in. Yeah, we took it from there, rang a few of my previous builders' competitors, and we went from there and started off with small measurement jobs of extensions, 40 square meter extensions. Believe it or not, we still do 40 square meter extensions. We, we don't discriminate against size or money or value of a job right up to last week of doing a data center in Europe. Amazing, you know? amazing. Yeah. And Paddy, it's interesting that you talked about your first job and charging 200 euro for it and then being done by 10 o'clock because yesterday I put up a post where when I started my business, it was a little bit like that as well. And the first job I quoted for, I quoted 50 euro per hour for, and I was doing one-off, one-hour sessions. And I don't do that anymore, <laughs> even though people look for me to do it. But that post yesterday went nearly viral, Paddy. And a question that I have for you is, like in terms of growing your business and moving on from doing 200 euro jobs, what has led to the growth that you've now seen and is getting you into those big data centers in Europe and whatnot? 
a couple of years ago in 2014 I uh, did a masters in BIM which is building information modeling uh, which is not just about uh, a drawing or a model of a building it's actually about the whole process so it's about data mining and it's about the whole system of technology and digitizing in construction and that led me on to a belief in my business in 2019 that you've got to bring people with you okay I am not a marketeer I'm not a copywriter I'm a quantity surveyor in the building construction so I need people around me to help to get my business to, to the next level as an entrepreneur you're always looking for the next thing to get you to the next step and with that you need help but with help, you've got to pay money. Yes, okay? So you've got to be very careful of who you're going. But another big thing for us is trust. Mm. We've got to trust people. And if you want someone to work beside you, it's no different to most working with a contractor. We want the contractor to trust us, to go to a site, to work on their behalf, and to get results for them. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. I have a question for you about that then, Paddy, because one of the things that you said is you've got to bring people with you. Who are the people you're talking about bringing with you? First of all, it's your staff, okay? They are the, the brains and the bones behind any business, and you've got to look after them. Thank God I have six wonderful staff. I have a wife that is the, we'll call her the accountant, but I call her the Rottweiler. <laughs> The best person to try get money for is what she is. But uh, yeah, learned that many years ago. If you have a partner at home or uh, a wife or whatever, get them to look after the books. So what I found here to uh, start out, I was doing the quotations. Oh, sorry, I was the first getting the call about a job. Mm-hmm. I was doing the quotations. I was agreeing the, the fee. I was then doing the job. I was then finishing the job, sending it off, then I was invoicing, and then I was chasing. I soon discovered that you've got to put a stop to some of that, especially at the end. Yeah. Employ someone or get someone within your company to go after the money because mm-hmm. it gets you away from that. You're talking to someone, you could, we could be on the job for weeks, tendering, and you could be talking to that person maybe 20 or 30 times over the last couple of weeks. So it's nice to have a different voice yeah. At the end of it, okay, we all need to get a little bit steely when we have to go for money, so we do. I love that. And do you know, a tip I got from my coach, and I'll share this with you, for any of you who are solopreneurs in particular, a tip that I got was to set up a separate email address for your account. Yes. So when I started my business, I used to do this, and I set up my email or my business name at the time was Dear to Martin Consulting. So I set up like Barry at Dear to Martin Consulting.ie and Barry was my accounts person. That's her husband. (laughs) Barry is my husband. But also it's like then when I was looking to get paid from people, it was like Barry was the person who was actually asking for it. And what I found was, this may come across as sexist, but what I found was when there was a man's name on the email address that actually I got paid faster. Actually, I find it a little bit different in the construction yeah. games. I, I find it better when a woman is going to change the money in the construction game. And I presume there's contractors out there who know what I'm talking about, so they do. Uh, just on that, Deirdre, obviously we came to you there about a, a year ago, and I didn't have a brand, okay? It was a personal thing to me. It was Carl estimating, I'm Paddy Carl. I soon started to realise that we were sending out posts every now and again on social media, but it was doing that. So that's when I approached you and I kept looking up things about marketing that oh try do it for free and don't spend as much money on X, Y and Z. 
to be honest with you, I didn't find that. It, it, it wasn't for us. Mm. So we had to create that brand. So we had to go back to the beginning. And thankfully today, and we're still learning, we're still going, thanks to Deirdre, we're still improving on our brand. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get to that next level. So we are for our customers. Yeah, I didn't bring you on here to give me a test- testimonial, Patty. Grateful and not as I am that you mentioned that. But at the end of the day, like when it comes down to your staff and bringing people along with you and the trust, like when you're hiring staff, whether it's external or internal and that trust piece, what are you looking out for? Because some people listening may be in that situation where they've never hired someone before or they've hired people and it just, they haven't gotten the work done or they haven't delivered 100% what they said they were going to deliver. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we employ an attitude. Mm. Attitude is is paramount. Paper won't refuse ink and it won't refuse CVs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we can say what we do X, Y, and Z, but as an employer, we are trying to find the, the best of the best, okay? And that's not easy in this generation because it's, so everyone is so busy. Yeah. Everyone have been nice, they're in good jobs or whatever, being paid very well. And unfortunately, we're in an industry now where there's a lot of, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but we're poaching. <laughs> Is that a terrible thing to say? No, it's not. You know, it's an uh, employee's market. It's an right? employee's market. Yeah. But in saying that, we still have to sit across from that person when we're interviewing them and see what is their attitude. It's not all about what we can do for you. And it's the famous John F. Kennedy. What can you do for us? And that's what we're trying to see what this person can do. Can they measure X, Y, and Z? Maybe not. Have we used this software before? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But you know what it is? I am willing to learn that software to do X, Y, and Z for your business. And I think attitude, taking it on uh, your own self. I We don't micromanage in our business. We try to stay away from that micromanagement because we want our staff to learn. Mm-hmm. And I always say in our business mistakes are free because what do you mean by that what do you mean well, by who has not made a mistake i makes mistakes every day of the week mm. okay it's how you react to them how do you learn from them okay how do i deal with this situation next week how do i deal with this situation on the next job okay and how am i going to prove myself month on week on or come to come to say as a point severe do you know what it is i did make this mistake with this job over here, I'm not going to make that mistake again on the next job. Mm-hmm. So In- it's learning from the mistakes. Learning from the mistakes. Now, contractors will go, oh, I hope you haven't got 20 juniors in your office. No, we have a mixed blend. We have juniors to seniors, mm-hmm. okay? And I find that very important because the junior guys, believe it or not, they have one thing in their hand, and that is a mobile phone. They are so fair with technology, it's unbelievable. Even today, Deirdre, you show me this software. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not a junior, though. No, I, I no, think I'm older no. than you. So, mistakes are free. Paddy, like, what has happened in your company where somebody has made a mistake and you've thought, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to come back from this? Or maybe where it's affected a client relationship in some way. And if that's happened, can you give us a bit of context around that? Okay, so that has happened. Okay. okay. It has happened. And unfortunately, you have to make that call to your client. Our customer to this was the issue we're telling them that this is never going to happen again you've got to build that trust again so what we found was SOPs mm. okay we've brought SOPs into our business 
But that is literally down to the last nail Mm -hmm. that we're telling our employees it's X, Y, and Z of how we do it. So just a simple little thing is that if we get a job in Mm -hmm. this morning, what is the first step that happens? Okay, just to go back a step, SOPs are standard operating procedures for those of you who don't know. What is the first step that happens, Paddy? The phone call. Okay. So we get a call from our customer or contractor. Mm -hmm. The second thing that happens is the drawings come in or the specifications come in or a bill of quantities come in. But what happens with that? It actually goes to someone. It goes to another email address down below in our office's environment. And we know the person or persons that will look at that email and start. The next step then is to set that job up. So within that first five minutes of talking, there has already been near enough six steps. Mm. Okay. What that does then, when there is a mistake made or a, or a mistake has been made, we can actually go back on that SOP and say, hold on here now. This is where it has fallen down before. Let's not make that mistake again. Or this happened on this job here that we missed something on a drawn. Now, to categorize, we don't miss anything on the drawn, okay? Because of the SOPs now. Mm-hmm. Little thing in our business is that all our measures are double-checked. Mm-hmm. If an intermediate, a junior, or even a senior guy is measuring a job, that there is a senior person that looks over that job. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so you, what you're saying then is you have a process, but you also have somebody overseeing it. Yes. But, okay, so I asked you about a mistake and how it's affected a client relationship and how you came back from that. Didn't want you to come back to that. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. But those are the lessons that people can really learn yeah. from without giving information about the client. Yeah, no, you've, look, the call had to be made. Own up. Do not keep your hands down, own up to a straight way. What I found was that if you delay that inevitable, it's only going to make the relationship worse. But if you put your hand up and say where you've done the mistake or where it has, believe it or not, that's trust building. It is. Because that the client or person on the other end actually goes, hold on here now, that business, put their hand up. Now, it all depends on the, the level of value of your mistake, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're hoping that it's not in the hundreds of but that client is still with us four years later amazing amazing so that was really good i think in terms of honesty but you're right that openness definitely sets a foundation for what relationships do do you know do you know one thing about truth what's that never changes (laughs) <laughs> that's so true yeah <laughs> somebody's asked a question it's great this is the first time we're streaming live on the master your business podcast but somebody's asked a question and it is actually a great question i'm going to show the question here now which is could you please suggest a few ways to handle the team while you're in the beginning of your startup and not everyone is believing on you and almost everyone is trying to get salary from you and not devoting the way that you are doing it for your company Great question, and uh, and with a business that's um, very much resource led, uh, we need people around us. Okay, so we need quantity surveyors, and we know there's a, a serious lack of quantity surveyors in our company. So we have to be mindful of the the people that we're sitting across from. They expect a salary and expect to be very well paid. But why don't you get them involved if you do take them on? Get them involved of even saying, how can you as a business improve your business to your customers? We get our staff involved. That's what I've done here from day one. I like to hear the views of the guys and girls that work for me. And I find that very important because I discovered lately, thanks to someone, that I was a roadblocker. 
Might have been me. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a very, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. So what was happening was, it was an instance of a, a particular particular um, system that we use in our business for quotations. Okay. And I was actually stopping the quotation going out by about a day because I had to do X, Y, and Z before I'd let that quotation go out. But we took me out of the equation and we brought someone within the business to look after that. Hence, the quotations are going out quicker. Business is coming in quicker. But if people are there for salary only, and when this comes at, how would I say, at interview stage, I personally think you know if a person is there for salary purposes only. Mm. I, I do, and I, I think if a person is there for salary purposes only, they will leave your company within a year. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but if it's all about money, it's no good to you as a business owner because you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be doing 80 hours a week, all right, 60 to 80 hours a week, and I'm glad I do 60 to 80 hours. I'd rather do 60 to 80 hours a week in my own business than... 40 hours from someone else's business. And I'm dear to you, you're probably the same. 100%. But going back to your question about the salary and that they're not devoting their time to your business. Another thing to think about, nobody loves your business as much as you do. 100% agree <laughs> with that as well. Totally. Your yeah. business is your baby. Yeah. It's not anybody else's baby. But you can get your staff to interact with your business and give them the tools. Give them the authority to go off and make decisions. Okay, to a point. But... I think the days of micromanagement is it's not great. You've got to let you've got to trust people. I think though, Paddy, you touched on something earlier as well, which is having those processes mm. and being really clear on what those processes are. But then I something I've learned in my years of management and leading teams over the years is to really be clear on the expectations. Setting expectations. If you set expectations very early on, you're less likely to be disappointed because you're clear and so is the other person on what it is that you expect from them and then if they don't deliver on what's expected then that's where you start to feel disappointed and equally <clears throat> if they don't deliver they might feel like you're not supporting them enough or they don't have the tools or resources setting those expectations should be a very open conversation in my opinion what do you think that yeah is? no it has to be an open conversation mm -hmm. and that goes from your customers mm -hmm. they expect not only your staff everyone has expectations of you as being the business owner just a little trick that we've done uh, is that we have uh, a board meeting three days of the week mm. monday wednesday and a friday yeah for literally five minutes and the whole team shows up whole team and believe it or not our youngest member of the team handles the board Fantastic. So Fantastic. we've given him... So you mean a whiteboard? Whiteboard behind us here. Pen, pen, red pen, blue pen, whatever. And we've given that young person the authority to... Not the authority, but to say, okay, lads, where are we on this job? Okay, it might sound simple, mm -hmm. but you're actually giving them a management role at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to see, okay, let's see your leadership. Can... Let's see how you can get involved more in the business. I think just leaving the person in the corner doing the same mundane stuff every day of the week, it's, it's, it's pointless. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's about, as well, a lot of people don't know what motivates them, right? Mm. Um, salary can be a major motivator. And there's a fantastic TED Talk by a guy called, I think it's Dan Pink did the TED Talk. It's like a cartoon animation. And it talks about carrot and stick in terms of money and motivation. Hmm. But actually, what he breaks it down to are three points, which are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. 
So what you were talking about doing with the board is giving somebody both autonomy and purpose. 100%, yeah. But mastery then is in the trade or in what you're doing and becoming really expert at what they do. So if you can find that can be a really great way to motivate people and help get more out of them. And interestingly, on the purpose part, uh, I read a statistic about this. I'm not sure if it was in Jim Collins's book, Good to Great, or in something else that I read. But my, my encyclopedia here, <laughs> It was to do with purpose. And what it said was, and oh, I can't recall the exact statistic, but where people are aligned with your businesses and your brand's purpose, they are more likely to give you an increase in discretionary effort which basically means that they will go at that bit more above and beyond just because they're aligned with what you're doing. They believe in it and they see the value and merit of doing what you're doing. So, yeah, I think the stats were like 40 to 60% increase in discretionary effort if okay. people are aligned with your purpose. So your purpose comes from your brand. Mm. Your purpose is why you are in business beyond making money. And just when you say that, and that's a great question, or a great answer to it, I read a book lately, Simon, uh, is it the... What, the start with why? Start with why. If anyone is starting their business, it's to find out why. Why are you getting up at six o'clock in the morning or half six? Why are you working till eight o'clock at night? Why are you working on a Saturday morning? Why are you doing it even? Is it to get more money? Is it to sell a business in a couple of years? But is it about your customer base? Are you trying to take? Are you trying to bring something to the world to make it a better place? Mm-hmm. My our business is to make a better place for contractors. That's simply it to yeah. make it easier. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think is interesting, Paddy, and another great question. And I told you I was going to ask you this one before before we started recording, which is, how do you know when is the right time to hire people? Oh my God. When you start to get busy, because the calls will come in, especially here in Ireland, word of mouth is particularly still unreal. Okay, okay so hang on till I just go back and make sure and clear this. So mm. when you get to a certain stage busyness-wise, mm. that's when you reckon? Definitely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you cannot, when you're a, a sole entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you want to do everything. You can't do everything. And I found when we started out, I wanted to work for this fella, that fella, this business, over here, over there, but I'm only one person, mm-hmm. okay? So suddenly it got too busy. And I found that when you get too busy, you actually start to lose the how you work because you're trying to get stuff done too quick. Mm-hmm. That's it, and you're missing out and stuff, whatever. So then our first employee came after year one when I stepped up, say, from five clients to six. Mm-hmm. I knew on the sixth client that I needed a new person with me. Very good. When the sixth person had come and seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth, the tenth person had come, mm-hmm. I knew then it was time for another severe. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that when the lads came in and the girls came in, they helped me to focus on other aspects of my business mm-hmm. that I was finding that I was too involved, Deirdre. I imagine I was too involved in my business, mm-hmm. okay? I was measuring too much, mm-hmm. okay? Instead of me looking down and going, where can we focus more on my niche business? Mm-hmm. So what did we do? We started to get busy. We had this over here, we had that over there, we had this over here. So when you get busy, it's time to start narrowing down your niche, mm. okay? So we have found our niche customer. Yeah. 
And that niche customer now is our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That That's our bread and butter customer. Yeah. I love what you said there, though, Paddy, as well, about don't narrow down your niche until you get busy. Yes. And what did you learn from working with all those people here, there, and everywhere as well? Oh, I learned so much. You learn so much about different aspects of construction. Like, say, for instance, uh, four years ago, I would have not known anything about railways, okay? Mm-hmm. Of how you estimate them and how you price them. Today, you now we work with two of the most leading railway companies in the UK and Ireland. Wow. Okay. But that they put trust in Carol Estimating to come on board with them to show them their internal structure. Mm. But that, again, that started to get busy because now you start to get retained clients mm. who are coming to you every day of the week. So that shows you if I've got another three or four or five retainer clients, I might have to get another person involved here. Mm-hmm. Because you, your your business is expanding. You can't keep promising everyone, yes, I'm the best at this and I want to work with you. And next minute they're ringing you the day before a tender is due and you're going, I haven't even looked at Yeah. So you've got to be very careful that you don't grow massive overnight, mm-hmm. but you want it to gradually. But I go back to the thing, if you are growing, you've got to bring people with you. Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. And I think, like, when it comes to hiring as well, what made you decide to hire employees as opposed to outsourcing? And I ask this question because I have three subcontractors. So I have three people that work for me part-time, but none of them are my employees. Okay, yeah, that is a tricky one. And that's very hard to balance because... As a business owner, you can only control the controllables. I know it's a, a cliche, but if something steps outside your core business, you have to be able to control that because they are your name. You, they're, they're, you're subcontracting that out, but your name is still on that work. Mm-hmm. So again, it comes back to trust, confidentiality, experience. Mm-hmm. How does your game work? I work in construction industry. Deirdre works in multiple of fields, marketing, the whole lot, everything. But you've got to have that trust. Employees, okay, you've got taxes, PRSI, PAYE, mm-hmm. you've got holidays, mm-hmm. you've got paternity leave, maternity leave, okay? So when you're employing someone, you've got to look at all the benefits, all right? You might not have the work to employ someone directly. Mm-hmm. You might not be able to pay their their wages over 12 months. It might just not work out. So that's where businesses subcontract work out, where they don't have any of those benefits that you have to pay. Yes. Okay. And it might be just a quick solution to be done in a quick time. Yeah. So say, for instance, we might have, just a little example, we might need a quick measure done on something. Mm. Now, I know many lads that do, or many girls that do freelancing like ourselves, okay? It's a quick call. We work with them day in, day out. They might have to measure a pipe run. It's done. Okay. It saves my business maybe an hour. But that hour is crucial to us during the week because my guys, the guys in our office works 38 hours a week, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and they finish a half train on Friday as well, just in case anyone's <laughs> looking for a job. <laughs> but I'm trying to get, as, I'm trying to maximize the work. Oh, no, I don't dog them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But the the guys get as maximum time out of them during that, that working day. So a lot of productivity, which I 100%. think is fair and to be expected. Yeah. But you support them with the tools and yes. the environment. And I think leading on from that question, Paddy, because, again, part of your incredible success is that 
you're now in a position where you're actually about to purchase the premises. And yes. what I find interesting about that is none of your clients actually visit a premises. And we're in this world where we could operate entirely online. You may not need a premises. What made you decide to take the leap and go and purchase the premises? It goes back to four years ago. I started in a, a makeshift office in the garage, a home. And after two years, where I told you about the five clients went to six clients, so I had to employ someone. Mm -hmm. So that person was starting to come to a home setting, which I didn't feel, and they probably didn't feel comfortable either because mm -hmm. business and business and home, I, I, they just don't mix. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you've got to think of the other person too. We went and rented offices for the last three years now, two to three years anyway. To me, renting a place, I would, I, I probably would rather spend money on my own premise. Mm -hmm. okay? That's just my business thought. And not only that, is that I have control, or we have control over it. And I know where the guys can fit in. Now, we have contractors that come into our environment. Okay? So I want to be able to portray what we do. Like, we're the boots on the ground for these guys. We actually do wear the hard hats, the helmets, the jackets, and the whole lot. I don't want to portray that we're above anyone, mm. that we're this swanky looking office and shirt and tie. You can see here, I wear a Polish shirt and the whole lot. I have this, I instill this in our, the lads that, that we employ, is that when we go to site or when they come to our offices, is that everyone is treated the same. Whether you're a main contractor, subcontractor, the cleaner of the toilet, it does not matter. Mm. The reason being, I'm asking that person, how long does it get you to clean that toilet? Or whatever do you know what i mean yes but buying a premise is important for us it's to show our our, our brand as well mm. big time and because we're, we're on a trajectory at the moment of getting a little bit i like to have that feel that someone can come into a comfortable environment come down have the cup of tea have the chat and um, hopefully that they're you've one guy for the, who's fantastic addition to your team but he's an apprentice he's not fully qualified so no. It's a lot easier for him to learn whilst being on the ground, isn't it? Than yeah. it would be maybe if he was sitting at home in an office by himself. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Rader actually came to me a couple of months ago. A young fella, 18 years of age, doing his leaving cert here in Ireland. And he came, and I couldn't believe it, he said he wanted to do college and work at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's either a college life or a different life. Mm -hmm. So you have to spell that out that, you know, you can't come in here drunk on a Thursday, but during college life. So what we've done, Jack now has done his first year apprenticeship, and I call it an apprenticeship because mm -hmm. I call QS in on a contractor's side a trade. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. I would have said that when I started my mm. career in the bank, I feel like retrospectively it was like an apprenticeship mm. as well because I started at the bottom and mm. I worked my way yeah, up to 100%, be a bank yeah. manager. And part of that was studying outside of yeah. work at the same time. So, yeah, I definitely would see that as and an apprenticeship. Like, there's a funny story about Jack when Jack started 18 years of age, he he's very green. They're very green to even talking on the phone because they're so used to texting and whatever. So Jack's first job was to, obviously we're a construction company and we're looking for prices all the time. So we got Jack to ring at Photo Look Wildlife Park. Now he didn't think he was ringing for a wildlife park. Oh, you're so mean. <laughs> so we said to Jack that when he goes, could he get a price on high trees and look for a man by the name of Giraffe. <laughs> So he was got the very first morning. So Jack went home <laughs> to his father, brother. The Jack's father is in the construction game, and he told his father about it, and he says, "You didn't embarrass the family today, did you?" 
<laughs> Look, you've got to have fun. Yeah. And I don't care. Okay, we're in a business of money, right? But it's so important that your staff, you can have a little heartiness to them. I think that's important. I yeah. do think it's important. And another great question here as well is, what is both your suggestions? Is it great to handle my company online, online mode, or either try to get an office and be offline? I have 17 employees working for me. Wow. And you were just a startup? Oh, wow. my gosh. Okay. 17 employees working for me. So is it the right stage to jump in renting an office? And by the way, the workload is... The workload is... Oh, sorry. Uh, skyrocketing. The, the workload is skyrocketing. Yeah, day by day. Yeah, if I were you, I would rent first. To be honest with you. Would you yeah, I would, yeah. You get to see the lay of the land, how it works. Because when you buy a business or when you buy a premises, there's all the added stuff on top of it. You've got to get broadband in, the electricity, mm-hmm. does the office have to be done up? But don't you have a lot of that if you're renting as well? Like yeah, you have, you have a lot of that. You have to pay for that car park space, is there mm-hmm. employees driving? That's there's so many things and not only that you've got to pay council fees on mm-hmm. top of that, whereas in renting, that usually is within the rate. So I Starting off with 17 employees, that's that's a very high high number. Mm. Uh, I'm very well done and fair play to you for getting to there. But start off like that, see how it goes. And if you find out that you're spending X amount of money per year and you go, do you know what it is? After 10 years, if I bought a premises, that would be better. So you've got to look at your numbers. You've got to balance it out, your financing. Yeah, and I would have a different take on this entirely, right? And my take on this is, firstly, your 17 employees, are they all in a location where they could travel to an office? Because if you think about this as well, if your business is online and you can't find employees locally, but potentially on a global level, you could hire somebody in Ireland, the UK, the US, Canada, wherever, and that means then that your reach for an employee search is not specific to a location and where it's particularly difficult to find employees at the moment that would be what i would suggest but then what i would suggest and i've seen other businesses do this where you know you're the head of the company but you have a lot of people is that they might do a quarterly meeting then where everybody comes together so that would save enormously on Mm. costs because you don't have any overheads in your business except your own and then mm. that of the wages you're not paying for rent of a building or to purchase a building you're not paying for everybody's electricity you're not giving out about people leaving the lights on when they go home at night because they're at home in their own home offices but at the same time again it comes back to that expectations that we spoke about before and so what you've said is that there are 11 that can travel but the rest is in other countries yeah so that could be a way to do it. it. It depends on whether you think you'll get more from your employees if they're all working together or whether just keeping them remotely. I think you're going to need to, to do some sums on this and see what it would work out at mm. for you because you have to buy things like tea and coffee mm. and kettles and things like that and, and support them in that way. But I think, again, going back to the point, if you were to fund or pay for a gathering once a quarter, what would the cost be to do that and bring people together from around the world to enable that those sorts of meetings? Yeah, and, and that goes to your customers as well. I, I presume from that person there putting in the message there that they deal with customers all over the world by the sound things or in different locations. Our contractors, a lot of our retainer contractors don't actually have to come near us. Mm. They, we use mobile phone. We get pictures, we get videos, we get voice notes, everything through our mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're only on sites maybe once every two weeks. 
something might happen within those two weeks but yeah. we don't have to go to site yeah. because they have a camera as I say a picture tells us a thousand words isn't it or yeah. speaks a thousand words but you do go to site yes and why do you go to site we want to be on the ground we the people want to see you physically the, the guys the customers that we have want to see you physically you know so i think that's another great point mm. to patty's suggestion there is if you have clients who are going to be coming to you or your employees are going to be going to the clients then it might make sense to have that office space as well where you can group and divvy out tasks and things like that more freely great questions thanks for sharing them Paddy, a couple of other things I'd love to ask you because I I could ask you loads of things about your business. I I have I have a good insight into Paddy's business, which is probably an, an unfair advantage for a podcast. But the question that I have is, over the years now, you're established five years. Nearly five years, yeah. What have been the biggest learnings, or takeaways, or pivotal moments where you've had? aha moments that you could share with anybody who's watching or listening the aha moments are definitely you can't do it by yourself mm. it's impossible yeah there are so many hours in a day and so many hours in the week and i have a family okay and you have to have time for your family because it's not worth it money is it's if you don't have support behind you, if you're working all the time, it's, it's just not going to, it's not going to end well, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Second biggest thing, and, and I learned this a couple of years ago, is what's your get-out clause? What are you going to do? When what you do you come, mean? What, what's your, what are you going to do when you come 60, 65? What do you want to do with your business? Mm-hmm. Are you going to hand it over? Are you going to sell it? You know, what is, and I couldn't believe why I was asked that question four weeks into when I went to CRO to register my business, what's your get-out clause? Wow. And I was there, I'm only starting, but what, why are you doing this? Okay, so that that was another thing. Another thing is that, and I'm a firm and dear to will notice, bringing people with you mm-hmm. is huge. And that means bringing other businesses with you. Okay, you can't share the lot because <laughs> we all have to make profit. If we don't make profit, it's a waste of time. Okay, we're not in the love of, it's not for the love of the game. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, I always say on that, Paddy, uh, don't mind me adding that, like at the end of the day, you have to make money in your business. Yeah. Because if you don't make money in your business, you won't have a business to run. No. And so you need clients. Without clients, you don't have money. Without clients, you don't need employees. Your clients are the company's biggest asset. Big time. Big so time. that comes back to the money part, I think, yeah. as well, because clients bring the money oh 100 and I, I i think just be don't ever get ahead of yourself you know never think that you're bigger than you are because people will just they'll find you out don't tell lies yeah <laughs> tell the truth tell the truth and if you make a mistake put your hand up yeah. um yeah, I think I'd put my hand up after this podcast. <laughs> I, made a, I made a mistake doing this podcast today. <laughs> no, you didn't. You've been wonderful, Paddy. And is there anything else? So let me just see, have I captured those right? You can't do it by yourself. Have a get out clause. Bring other people and their businesses along with you and tell the truth. 100%. Amazing. You won't go too far wrong and just be nice. Yeah doesn't cost anyone any money <laughs> it doesn't cost anyone any money paddy thank you so much for joining us on the master your business podcast thank you to amanullah in particular who uh, shared and asked loads of questions 
For those of you who've never watched or listened to the Master Your Business podcast before, please subscribe, take out your camera, or and your, open up your camera app on your phone and scan the QR code, or else you can just literally click Master Your Business podcast wherever you like to listen or stream your podcasts from. The show is all about helping you get to the next level of your business. We mostly talk about branding, marketing, customer experience. And a lot of what Patty has talked and shared about here today is about growing your business and growing your brand so that you can have a get out clause at the end of it all, Patty. So folks, thank you again for watching and listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate or review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Thanks Deirdre. Appreciate that. Thank you.